Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You may have seen on Netflix at the moment the documentary. It's a four-part limited series. And sidebar, Netflix have been doing a few of these limited series. Uh, but this one that I've recently watched was about the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. So today on the podcast, we're chatting about how to make sure you don't get Ponzied, how to make sure you don't get Bernied, how to make sure you can spot a financial scam and how to make sure you look after yourself out there with your investing dollars. My name's Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Radio special guest on today's episode, Victoria Devine. She's on the Monet, the French Wine Connoisseurs podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm concerned that you've got me on whether I'm a finance professional or I'm a scamming professional, whichever one it is. <laughs> I hope I'm Reddit. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah ask Reddit. <laughs> yeah. So apart from Reddit, which is a very reliable source, which is of a very reliable source of information. I watched this show recently, the Madoff documentary. Yeah. You watched it as well. I did. Where you get the general gist of it. No, I watched it and then I fell asleep halfway through episode two and then I woke up and watched episode three. And do you know what? I really don't feel like I missed that much. No, they really could have condensed it. But it was an interesting, I guess, series that made me really uncomfortable. I don't Mm. know. Did you feel uncomfortable watching it? I did. And I think, and spoiler alert, everyone, um, this guy, Bernie Madoff, screws lots of people and then dies in jail, finally gets caught. It's basically the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. And I, for me, the whole thing was the American equivalent of the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, ASIC, which is the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they were asleep at the wheel for many years. Yeah, 100%. But he also seemed to have such a good relationship with them that mm. even though they were tipped off, even though it was suggested that maybe they do some more research, they're like, no, he's a nice guy doing nice things. And regardless of that, they actually should have launched an investigation. You can't just go, oh, but he's such a nice bloke. Mm. Like if there are serious accusations being made... Step up, have a look, look under the sheets because I feel like that did a disservice to literally thousands of investors. And the crazy thing was that he was running a legitimate business for a long time and then underneath running this scam, but he was one of the architects of the NASDAQ exchange. So he was at the He was a smart man. Yeah, psychopath, clearly. Uh, He was at the forefront of investing and trading in the US and the world and it just all unraveled. But can you imagine getting to that point? Because a Ponzi scheme, 
doesn't happen by accident. A Ponzi scheme literally has no outcome. It literally is not doing what it says it does. Mm. So he did not invest any of the money that he said he invested but the time and energy and effort that went into pretending that he did was wild. It's just like, fascinating. Can you imagine not wanting to be a failure so much more than not wanting to be outed as maybe not being successful? Like it just, he would prefer to lie and scam people than say, hey, maybe I'm not the best trader in the world. Yeah. Like it gives me the ick and it triggered me so much watching it. Having grown up, I suppose, in quotation marks, grown up in the finance industry, it's already so saturated with, you know, I'm probably talking to the wrong crowd here, sorry, Glenn, but mediocre middle-aged white men, mm. it's already so saturated with people who are like very flippant about what they do because they're like, if you don't get it, small child, like move on. And that was one of his strategies to essentially confuse people, mm. which was like, if you don't get it, then I'm not going to explain it to you. Take your money and leave. Like if you don't trust me, don't. You just go, okay, but I can see how the psychology of a Ponzi scheme in this situation worked. And for those might be hearing of Ponzi scheme for the first time, it's named after a dude in the 1920s called Charles Ponzi, an Italian dude. And basically how it works is I have an investment company, quote unquote, and I say to Vicky D, Hi, Victoria. Hi, Vicky D. I, can, I love that name. Yeah, good. I good. can um, make sure that I can give you a solid return on your money. So I take $100 from- With little to no risk. Yeah, it is no risk. fantastic. So I take $100 from Victoria and then she says to me, oh, Glenn, can I withdraw some of my returns? Of course you can. And then what I do, Gabs is here in the office. We're in Melbourne at the moment. Um, I say to Gabs, would you like to invest in the scheme? Give me $100 also. I take that $100. Give, give me $10 you, and I think I'm getting a 10% yeah, return and, from my 100 bucks. And this is so good because that happened in a month, Glenn. Yes. Can't believe you gave me a return in such a short period of time. So exactly. next month I'm going to come back to you and you're going to say, V, uh, do you want some more money? Because you're obviously a really, really successful investor. I'll be like, great, you steal from Jess. Yes. And you've taken some money from Jess and then given it to me. And so I fully believe that this system works because, well, where's the money coming from then, huh? Yeah. Like he's creating these returns and he's giving me the returns. So like, the bigger this is a good it gets, deal. the more new investors you need to keep the scheme going. So what I want to talk about today is some of the ways that you can spot a financial fraud. And thankfully in this day and age, they're not as, I don't know, common as they're not they as were. common, but I feel like they're far more intelligent. Yes. And so I guess a little disclaimer up the front because we've actually had some people in the She's on the Money community recently reach out and their parents might have been uh, their parents might have been taken for a ride from those hey mum or hey dad oh, WhatsApp messages. Texts, yes. Yeah, we we had someone in our community who got scammed out of like twenty thousand dollars because they thought it was their daughter texting them. So Gosh. I think I just want a disclaimer: mm. if you've been caught up in one of these Ponzi schemes, we don't think you're silly. These are very highly technical scams that put you in a position where you do trust them. And I mean, Madoff. He had tens of thousands of investors and he took billions of dollars from mm. them. And to be able to do that, not only do you have to be relatively intelligent, but I would 
like it sounds bad, but I feel like if I had met him in that circumstance, I would have trusted him mm. because, well, he talks about all the Wall Street traders he works with. He talks about his international clients he invests for and you just immediately go, oh, well, if Glenn trusted him, maybe I'll trust him. And I mean, if you'd invested your money in something, Glenn, and you turned around to me and said, oh, yeah, he's actually giving me, you know, a solid 10% return, I'd be like, wow, mm. why aren't I doing that? Glenn's a smart bloke. Yeah. So I feel like we just need to take the edge off it with, we're not shaming you. We we feel awful that you've been caught up mm. in this, but here are some things to look out for in case you do in the future find yourself wondering, is this a little bit too good to be true? Because more often than not, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on it before. Um, if you are presented with an investment opportunity, you mentioned like it's sold as, you know, lots of hype, and too good to fail almost. Like yeah, this too is good too to good. True. You don't want to miss out on it. Limited time only. And one of the things Bernie did right, he would say to um, wholesale institutions, because he was tapping into wholesale money, right? Can you imagine? I just, it, it blows mm. my mind to think how successful this scam was yep. and how many people lost literally billions of dollars because of it. Yeah. So there was, in real money, there was 19 billion US that went into it. And the total scheme, quote unquote, with the made up money was like 65 billion. Yeah. So there was 19 billion of real money. And at times when there was a pinch and he needed money, he would call a wholesale investor and say, hey, would you like to um, invest in the scheme? And they would say, yeah, put me down for um, 200 million. And he would be like, nah, nah, I, we're too busy. Um, if you're not going to take, gonna that, take this seriously. Yeah, it needs to be at least 400 uh, million. And so he would sell it. So a lot of this stuff I would say is our first point would be if you're approached either by text message online or a friend, see if you can verify and in concert with all this other stuff, the source. I mean, there's been stuff, you know, on a reputable Australian website where they um, aggregate ads there was a photo of me selling uh, Wam Pay or some what Chinese cryptocurrency, and it looked legitimate. So if and if you see anything online that's an ad or whatever, that's you know in a Google Ads or whatever on you know reputable websites, and it's my photo or Victoria's, put a post up in our Facebook groups or any other or just shoot us person, a DM. Shoot us a DM. Is this you? Because you know, you need to reference check this stuff before yeah, and if you go it's not coming ham. directly from like my millennial money Our socials or yeah. your platforms, which I feel that's one of the biggest red flags because I don't know, I, I feel like your community is so similar to mine, Glenn, in that you don't immediately work with another company having not had any exposure to them on the pod or in our socials. So if it's a random company that you then see pop up with one of our faces on it, because it's happened to us before and we've had to like message Facebook to get it removed. It's one of those things that you go, mm, that doesn't feel right. Like if you don't think either of us would be behind that, please message us because I guarantee you we're not. Yeah. So our first point, if the offer is you know, too good or exclusive or private or there's no risk, you just have to press stop. And all this is kind of like the sad part about the documentary and you see this on like a current affair and all this stuff, it's the diversification thing. If there is this really good opportunity and it works out to be legit and we'll share some points of when things could be legit, 
you don't want to put 100% of your wealth into that speculative thing anyway. So it's a diversification play to start with. Like if someone has the best investment ever and it's legal, it's legit and all that, I'm not putting my life savings in one investment. Yeah, no, 100%. It's like historically, so I used to be a financial advisor, same as you, Glenn, and I worked in a space where I worked with a lot of millennials who had inheritances. And so people would come to me with literally millions of dollars and go, V, I don't know what to do. My mum passed away, my dad, my grandpa, whatever it was, how do I do this? And I would always say to them, all right, so first thing we're going to do is stop. We're going to take a step back. We're going to pretend that money doesn't doesn't exist. And we can do that for as long as you are comfortable. There is always in the investment world, always, always, always going to be another opportunity. This is not the last opportunity. I do not want you, even though I wasn't a scammer, I do not want you rushing into any type of investment decision that in six months you might feel uncomfortable with. And any good financial services professional would not allow you to do that either. So if someone is saying, oh, V, like you've really got to get in on this. It's 10 grand but it closes tomorrow. I would just look at them and go, no, like there's, to me, that's a red flag because in the investment world, to me, urgency is a hard no. So even if it's, you've inherited millions of dollars, all right, well, I actually want you to step back and talk about your values in life you're trying to create. And, you know, tell me about this person that's passed away so that we can honor them and their intentions for you. Because I guarantee you, if I asked you, oh, would you prefer the money or would you prefer the person back? You want the person, Mm -hmm. but they can't be here. So how do we do that. And I think that if you take that opinion when it comes to money and go, all right, well, nobody is ever going to pressure me into an instant decision because financial advisors never would. I think that's probably a really good place to start. Like guaranteed, especially with the like, hey, mum scams, Mm -hmm. your daughter does not need $10,000 right now to get out of a financial pickle, especially in Australia. Like it's not a thing. And also if you are text from your quote unquote family, pick up the phone. Call them. Call it. Also on that, you raised really good points there. If you are going to a legitimate registered financial professional, all that, and it's all legit, there is never any urgency. If you are feeling any pressure to proceed when you are not ready, you need to walk away. It's the last thing when I was a financial advisor I wanted for my clients. So even if I felt tiny bits of hesitance, I'd be like, oh, Glenn, maybe we'll just take a step back. I know that you say you're really excited about this, but I'm just worried that we're going to get three or six months down the track and you're not going to fully comprehend it. Let's just put it on ice. How about we talk more about this? Or how about we sort out your insurances or do something else in the meantime? Yes, mother housekeeping. Exactly. Which might've taken me a bit more admin because obviously as an advisor, you kind of want to just get everything done at once and get the team on it. But I think the best thing to do is put your client first and go, oh, I can see he's not covered. How about I just prove to him that we can sort his insurances? Maybe we look at his super. Then we can talk about that lump sum investment because I've proven myself over that period of time. And I just, it baffles me to think that someone would just go, 200 mil, yeah, no worries. That sounds like a great opportunity. Just transfer it through. And that speaks to like, you know, the Sort Your Money Out website, click get help. And Victoria has the same service, I'm sure, for her listeners. We only work with professionals who are established. So there isn't that stench of desperation to sign people up so they can get paid. And I feel a bit guilty because sometimes new advisors to the industry that are like, hey, V, I've gone out on my own. Mm. Like if anyone from She's on the Money would like to see an advisor and I'm always like, oh my gosh, yes, 
give it three years. And once you've established your business, once I can review some of your statements of advice, once I can get some honest client testimonials, at that point, I might feel comfortable transferring, you know, some leads your way or sending Glenn on on his way over to you. But until then, I'm just really not that comfortable, even though I really want small businesses to thrive, if Mm. that makes sense. But it's very different sending somebody to a small business that sells candles than sending someone who literally takes control of your financial life. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other points I picked up from the documentary, and I will carve out, like in the main, if you're just starting out or you see an ad online and there's this investment and the whole sales shtick is that it's offshore, it's in the Cayman Islands and it's tax minimization and all this offshore crap, in the main, you do not need that. Now, An investment bond, that's that's a tax minimization strategy exactly. right there. Yep. Superannuation is a tax strategy. What you need to understand is, sure, if you're a multi-multi-billionaire, there could be some weird stuff that you do and you diversified so much that you need to invest in something that's quote unquote offshore. But in the main, most of our listeners, if not all of our listeners at the moment, if you've just inherited some money, you've inherited $200,000, don't go snooping around looking for weird stuff that's offshore and exclusive and complex because you just don't need to go down that rabbit hole because it's usually something's not right. Simple as that. And if in doubt, Google. (laughs) I mean, I reckon like if you Google... Do you know how often it comes up? Mm. Like you'll Google something um, and we can talk about this in the second half of this episode because I'm wildly passionate Mm. about debunking multi-level marketing uh, companies and throwing absolute shade at them because I just don't, they're not empowering Glenn, they're not. Um, But like Monet, you look at it and you just go, what if I Googled Monet scam Mm. and see what that says? Mm. is going to come up with so many reviews of people who, you know, haven't had a good experience or people who have potentially lost their hair because of the product. Glenn, it looks like you've been using Monet. A little bit too much. A little bit too much. But I think it's one of those things where just Google it. Like there's no such thing as too many Googles. Mm. No such thing. I want to get to some practicalities of things to look at when you are looking at investing and what could potentially be a scam or potentially not run that great. Because, you know, things can be legal, quote unquote, and still be rubbish. Like multi-level marketing companies. Yeah. or But even you look at um, food, right? Food can be legally sold at the supermarket and it's rubbish. It's not good for you. Yeah, you true. But like- Eat ice cream every day. It's not going to end well. Yeah, but so it just could. Good things are legal. I would be really happy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, You're not selling me. You've got to. You've got to pick a terrible food. Yeah. No such thing. That's right. Balance is key, Glenn. We are now. She's on the health. She's on the health. But the number one thing, if you take anything from this episode with investing, make sure the investment or the recommendation, the money is held in a third-party custodian. Yeah, that's really important. Now, with Bernie Madoff. It was basically he had the it. Bernie Madoff fund yeah. and he's got personal control. Whereas financial advisors, we might use different platforms, 
to manage wealth. It could be a Macquarie Rat platform, a BT Panorama platform. Um, we're so cut and paste when we're ex-financial advisors, aren't we? I know. It's, it's just really basically, bad. what did you use? Oh, we used Macquarie Rap. Yep. Great. Yeah. Full so, stop. End of story. <laughs> so, and the, and the difference is at all times, you can call the third party platform directly and get an update on information. And if you had to call them directly to withdraw money. Yes, but also it's 2023 now, Glenn. You will have online access to your portfolio. Yes. You won't have the old matrix printer from Bernie. No, and brothers. no, yeah. that made me laugh so much because they were throwing shade as though that was like so dated. And I'm like, you're talking about the 90s. I'm pretty sure they still existed. But it's true. Like, they're not going to give you dodgy printouts or they're not going to take hours. Like, mm. my clients, when I was a financial advisor, we had a third party in place, obviously, but they had 24 7 access to view their portfolio portfolios. Like they could see what was going on. They could log in to this third party platform and always be able to see where their money was, what's happened, what trades were made that day, what trades were planned, what buyers were potentially flagged and how that could work. And I just think to me in 2023, it is crazy. No, you don't need an app. There doesn't need to be a fancy app that downloads, but there would be some type of online access to an investment platform because of where we're at. Mm. So that's one thing like I would even hypothesize, I personally wouldn't send my own family or use it myself if there was a financial advice or investment firm and the product was called the same name as the person or the company. Yeah, no. It's just too close to home for me. There is enough investment opportunity with broad-based ETFs and other management platforms for you to get investment exposure without getting some private you know, Bernie Madoff investment fund exclusive only. Now, and the, if, th- and the thing, sorry to cut you yeah, off there, the thing to add to that is if there is like the Glenn James fund, right? To get to the stage where you have created the Glenn James fund, you have to quite literally have, I would say a billion dollars under management mm. to make that a worthwhile expense for your business. Like it is not a cheap thing to do. Like maybe the product is white labeled Mm. and that would then make sense. It might be through an aggregator. It might be through your licensee, which, you know, is a bit of a different story. But if it is the Glenn James fund, that is so expensive to manage that for the average financial advisor, for the average broker, that is actually inconceivable. Like yeah. it's not to something do it legitimately. you would do. Yeah, to do it legitimately. And that's why you should it is stay away from normal. it. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, at what point, V, are you going to get, because obviously like I was trying to take over the world. I'm mm. still trying to take over the world. How's that when going? Are you gonna, it's going well. Thank you. Nice. Fourth book comes out later this year. <laughs> um, but when you are working towards something, people who aren't in the know when it comes to the financial world will be like, oh, are you are going to do your own fund? It's like, No, Mm. like I would love to do my own fund, but that's just not an option. I would just like it for the street cred, you know? And I'm not saying that this, I'm not at all saying that it's legal or not ethical, but you look at the the spaceship app and fund, they're struggling to make money and they've got like a billion dollars under management. So funds under management, it is not an easy industry. So please, if you do... Get approached. Why haven't you got a My Millennial Money investment fund yet, huh? <laughs> because. Oh, because it's not easy to make money exactly. and that's all Glenn's about. Pretty much. I mean, it's just- Same girl, same. It's like if you get to the stage where you've got a, a high, high, high net worth portfolio with millions and millions of dollars, sure, there will be some little specky things that you might put your money in. And it's fun and that's but okay. But we're not putting 100% of our money into it. We might be putting, all right, I've got a $1 million portfolio. 
there's a specky thing here. It's all legitimate. It's but I'm only putting twenty thousand dollars in. Yeah, hundred percent. I've got multi million dollars. Like we are not. And we've talked about this before, Glenn. Where you know both you and I like to purchase a speculative stock and have a bit of fun because mm. investment is, I guess, our passion. It's mm. what we thrive on. I love going on my self-wealth account and buying stuff just because I thought it was a good idea or I woke up that morning and read something. I'm like, oh, I really, and I read that annual report and I'm like, mm. oh, that's kind of hot. I want to do that. But not everybody is like that. So if you are somebody who has a significant amount of money, I used to talk to all my clients and go, you have so much. The plan isn't to double it overnight. It's not to get rich. You've already achieved a significant amount of wealth. That's right. Our plan yeah. now is to keep that. So how do we make sure that that is consistent over the next few years? How do we make sure that's consistent until retirement, after retirement, consistent enough to create intergenerational wealth, consistent enough to provide for your children in the future? Like, is that not the plan when it comes to wealth? And if it's not, why are we here? Mm. If you're just willing to absolutely piss it up a wall, I'm probably not the advisor for you. Yeah. Like I just, I cannot comprehend people who have that sense of urgency because yeah. I actually think it's just so toxic. And you know, the good thing about this era, like if you, and we've had it in the My Millennial Money Facebook group, someone has said, oh, has it, and I'm going to make up a name here. Like, has anyone heard of the uh, Victoria green- Victoria Divine? Well, no. Has anyone heard of the uh, Blue Water Greenfield Fund? I'm looking at the prospectus at the moment. If no one's heard of it, it doesn't mean it's not legit, but it's just like, what are you getting from that fund that you can't get just from an ETF? Yeah. And if you are starting your investment journey- Why are we getting so complex so yeah, early? we just need to be like, all right, bread and butter, let's buy a Vanguard ETF, let's do the bread and butter and slowly and learn. And what's not good about the bread and butter? Like, I love bread and butter. Same. Like, especially when it's free at the restaurant. Yes. And they're like the- the bread's warm. Mm. See, 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 it's good. But yeah. I, I just get so interested in why are we trying to get so complicated if you're a first time investor? Mm. Why can't we dip our toes in the water with something really easy? Even if the grand plan is to get more complex later down the road. Yeah. Like even if you do want to go into a more private managed fund that you've got your eyes on, if you've never invested in just an ETF before, like how do you know that that's the right outcome for you as well? Yeah. It just, it confuses me because I think people get a, a bit of analysis paralysis. Like they get so deep that then they convince themselves that the only good investment opportunity is a really complex one that maybe nobody else has heard of because, well, that must be the right thing because nobody's going to get rich from Vanguard, right? Like their returns aren't that sexy, but you know what they are? consistent. Yeah. And I think, you know, in reflection at looking even the storm financial crisis that happened here during the GFC and the Bernie Madoff thing, the biggest thing that just breaks my heart was the lack of diversification and people putting everything in the one investment. Now, putting everything in the one ETF is actually different because the underlying investments- Is diversified. Is diversified. It's putting everything in and we can talk about this probably after the break, it is about the, you know, wholesale putting all of my money into this thing that has little to no risk. Investment risk is real. And one of the things that one of the whistleblowers who emailed the SEC multiple times was saying, can you these returns don't stack up. There are never any bad years. 
It yeah, which is work. wild. And there should be bad years. It doesn't mean that they're bad investors. It's how the economy works. Yeah. And it just, it blows my mind that the governing body didn't take even one report seriously. But kudos to that person who followed up and followed up and followed up. Because at one point, I'd just throw it in the bin and be like, all right, well, clearly I'm wrong. And I just think it's not good. But another red flag was that other big financial institutions were avoiding that company. Mm. So, I know like Goldman Sachs wouldn't work with Madoff because they just couldn't work out where the funds were coming from and it didn't it didn't add up to the sum of its parts. Yeah, so- because there was this thing, then they call it investing counterparty. For every buyer, there's got to be a seller, right? And They just couldn't they, do the math. There was math like there's way mathing. too many trades for the amount of sellers available. One of the other things that I want to talk about practically for Australian investors and there could be, and we've talked about new products and investments on both of our podcasts that do tick the boxes as being legitimate. But when you do your own research, I want you to scroll to the very bottom of the website. And if they don't have these three documents, it's one, a huge red flag, two, a huge red flag, a huge red flag or three, a really big crimson flag. Yes you need to look for a financial services guide if it's uh, a financial advisor, number one. FSG. FSG, that's the legitimate document. You got one of those on your website? I do. Me too. That's the legitimate document (laughs) that any professional will have, any licensed professional will have a financial services guide. And that will detail all about their license, complaints procedure, how to contact a license and all that stuff. The second one when we get into product land would be a product disclosure statement. If they sell product. If they so sell it, product. It's interesting because I've been asked for my PDS before. Really? Yeah. And it's just by community members who are trying to do their due diligence and I totally get it, but I'm not a product provider. Therefore, I do not have a PDS. However, if you hear of a product that my community is working with, like a sponsor, they might have a PDS because they might be a product. Yeah. So in that circumstance, you might have my FSG because you you're listening to my podcast and then you would go to that company's website and they might have an FSG and a PDS. But when a PDS is missing, obviously that's a red flag if they've got product. <laughs> but if they don't have product, that's quite normal. And I've had that flagged before. Mm. And then the third one would be the target market determination, which is kind of... The TMD. Which is kind of new in Australia. And that also couples in with what the product is designed for. So... Basically, they got a, the reason for this was we just want to have some extra layers for products. So, you know, if your goals were, I'm a 60-year-old and looking for some type of stable investment, the TMD would likely say, hey, if you're 60, this ain't for you. And this is what I was getting up in arms and we won't name names this year because I don't need to start more drama, Glenn James, but I was getting up in arms last year about because there was a certain buy now, pay later company that I was talking about on my socials for a long time there that would say, no, we're not targeting that. Our TMD says, you know, that we're not targeting millennials who want to have a buy now, pay later company or buy now, pay later credit run, Mm. right? 
and I looked at their TMD and it absolutely said not millennials. It said, you know, we're looking for people in their 40s and then you would look at their marketing and go, okay, but one of these things is not like the other. Like your marketing is not reflective of what your TMD is saying, at which point you need to talk to your marketing people Mm. because these things aren't adding up and your marketing literally looks like it's targeted to millennials. Like why are the people in your advertising in their mid-20s then? And I think it's just, it's so frustrating because it can be kind of deceptive, but it's a good way to see what's going on. And remember, I got up in arms about, I feel like I get up in arms all the time. I get so frustrated. you got heavy sore arms, I do, do I do. It's why they're like super guns. Come to my gun show. But I got up in arms about that investment company that called themselves a savings app. Right. And their TMD was young millennials who wanted to save. And their TMD quite literally said save when in actual fact they were an investment fund. Mm. And that really, really frustrated me because the language was so different. It was like, if you're saving for your first home, this is a great app. And it would say 4%. And right, 4% is a great return, especially right now when banks are going through the floor. Like you're basically getting nothing even on term deposits. Mm. So that's a really sexy option if you're, you know, saving for your first home. And that language makes you feel so comfortable because you go, oh, well, it's a savings app. It's not actually an investment app. And, you know, Glenn and Victoria say don't invest if you're planning to purchase a home in the next five years because that's not a great idea. It just, the math wasn't mathing for that either. And Mm. guess what? They still haven't changed it. Yeah. And and that's- Maybe I will start that fight again. It was kind of fun. (laughs) And that's what, like all these things, you've got to kind of take all together. Like there was an Australian finance company, I'll leave it at that, who they've wanted to work with My Millennial Money for some time. Yes, she's on the money. And Yeah, <laughs> and I won't have them on at this stage um, because I had a look at their privacy statement and I wasn't happy with- Can you tell me after? Yes, <laughs> I wasn't happy with the privacy statement because their privacy policy said that they could use data to sell for marketing and I'm just like, nah, no. that's a bit sloppy, you know, and I said, no, not doing it. Anyway, one of the founders of this company said to me, to be honest, compliance isn't one of our strong suits because we oh, don't great. have resources. Fantastic. And I'm like- Red flag. Well, if you're a freaking car company, airbags are a really big priority. You need to have a budget for airbags. If you're a money company, you, you need, need to have, have a, a budget for compliance. compliance budget. So that's just, you know, you've just got to look at some of the fine print and if in doubt, throw up a post in the Facebook group. Hey, I'm considering this and get some crowd knowledge. Crowd knowledge is good and bad because not everyone knows your situation. Not everybody knows they what they're talking about. But information if things are a huge red flag. The final one before we go to the break, um, the big thing with the Madoff thing was they talked about no fees. So <laughs> basically they had these feeder it's, funds. It's the golden age. Yeah, it was just perfect. They had these like feeder funds where they'd have different accountants all over America um, getting money and then sending it up to Madoff. And the whole thing to the other um, feeder funds was like, oh, we don't, we won't charge you any fees for this. It's a 100% solid return. There's no fees. How did more people exclusive. not catch on to this? Well, it's going? just wholesale greed. It's disgusting. Yeah. Makes but me so angry. It just doesn't help when the end person loses their house because they trusted in something that wasn't there. 100%. People lost their retirement funds. People lost their financial yep. freedom. They lost their homes. It's actually so messed up. It made me feel sick. I think I told you this before mm. that it just, the whole thing made me uncomfortable. Like before, watching it just, ugh. 
Actually, we'll go to a break. We'll come back. I'll get Victoria's comments around multi-level marketing things. Oh, spicy. And then I'll share another thing as a bonus tip that I want you to ask with your investments. We'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One last thing that I want to talk about, and it was close to home here uh, coming out of the GFC, and it was all about liquidity with your investments. Now, what liquidity is, if I've got a bank account and I put $1,000 in at any time, I can pull that $1,000 out. How quick you can tip it out. Is how Pretty I explain much. it? Liquid even. Yeah. It's frozen. Not She's very quickly. Frozen, exactly. So, what happened uh, uh, in Australia when the GFC hit, there are a lot of property trusts that were unlisted. So an unlisted investment is one that isn't listed on a securities exchange, a stock exchange. So story checks out. Yeah, which is fine. I've I've got a lot of unlisted assets myself, which are managed funds and whatnot that you've got to go direct to. That doesn't fund. make them bad. It just means you, from my perspective, need to do a bit more due diligence to make sure that they are legitimate. And Absolutely. obviously, Glenn, you're pretty good at due diligence and making sure that the compliance is compliancing. So I feel like that makes sense for you, but yeah. I wouldn't dive straight into that. Exactly. Now, what happened in the GFC, there were a lot of these unlisted property trusts. And when the GFC hit, they actually had to freeze withdrawals because people wanted their money back and the property trust owns shopping centres and skyscrapers and all this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not and that they, liquid. They yeah, can't they just, just pour out all tomorrow. the cash. So for some of these funds, and they could even be, you know, don't quote me on this, but there was like an AMP property fund that was frozen for over 10 years. Yeah, it's insane. So you've just got to make sure that when you are investing that you ask the question about liquidity. So if you're going to see a financial advisor, say, what's the issue on liquidity? And all the funds that I was um, recommending people when I was an advisor, um, they could have sold down all their investments uh, in those two days. And I just made sure even the funds that I was using during the GFC, there was still 100% liquidity. Um, And it's just another thing that you need to look at. And there was like no liquidity in Bernie's stuff. Like it was- None, you couldn't get your asset out. So yeah, liquidity was an issue particularly in the Ponzi scheme when it all came to a crunch. 
Yeah, because you're borrowing from John to give to Bob and that's the circle of life. Like you need another person to borrow from to give the money back to somebody else. And I think that that's where multi-level marketing and Ponzi schemes and things can get all confusing because there are people out there who have made millions from Ponzi schemes and walked away, you know, got their cash out at the time, not having been educated, right? It was just a complete fluke that they got in, they got out, they have their profit and they're like, I don't understand what the problem with that is because I'm made money and same with multi-level marketing which you said we'd get into and I cannot wait. All right, we'll get to that but just in summary I'm going to just read my points around the Madoff thing just to recap and then I'll tell you if they're good points or not. So number one no third-party custodian it was exclusive and private there was offshore it was in the Cayman Islands it was little to no risk it was too good to fail I'm sure there was no PDS or TMD or financial services guide for no, Bernie no I reckon he would have had that yeah, it was, would have been fraudulent <laughs> yeah, like everything right. else he did there was no fees uh, liquidity was pretty much not there uh, and there was some key person risk slash issues, but that was more after the fact. And like one of those things was when the Securities and Exchange Commission went to do a regular compliance audit of Bernie, it was him himself and the people interviewing him were so like starstruck. No. They were just like, oh, wow, it's Bernie Madoff himself, where they were like, oh, how at any that? normal business, a regular compliance meeting would have just been handled by a compliance officer or someone, not the actual key person running the world. So, look, there it's fascinating watch. Uh, I want you to watch the four parts on Netflix, draw your own conclusions, reflect on your own investments, and by all means, diversify, diversify, diversify. If you had a portfolio and you saw this investment that was Bernie Madoff and it was good and all this good stuff and you th- you're like, I'm not greedy, I will only put maybe 5% of my portfolio in there. When that 5% got flushed, it's not flushing you completely. So you just have to diversify. That is the golden rule of investing. 100% it is. So talk to us about multi-level marketing. This is my favorite topic in the entire world, um, mainly because it's so spicy and I talk about it a lot on my socials. And this year, I feel like I'm going to talk about it even more because there have been a few new multi-level marketing companies entering the market. So multi-level marketing or MLM known for short is basically a business model that relies on direct selling and consultants recruiting their friends or family members to also become consultants or salespeople or distributors of that product. If you have ever spoken to somebody who has an MLM or works in an MLM, they will be very aggressive in letting you know that it's absolutely not a pyramid scheme. It's multi-level marketing. And here in Australia, under Australian consumer law, legal MLM enterprises are not classified as pyramid schemes because the consultants that work for them, their income is predominantly derived from product. Yeah, from product sales or services rather than recruiting other consultants, right. which is what a pyramid scheme is usually, you know, mm. is usually driven by. However, in a multi-level marketing company, consultants are incentivized to recruit others because those recruits then become, quote, their downline. And most MLMs offer commissions based on downline sales in addition to their own sales. So if I signed up to, you know, a multi-level marketing company that sells hair gel, Glenn, and then I signed you up, I would then make a cut of whatever you make because you're in my downline. And then Mm. if you, you know, hired Phil, Phil would then be selling his products. You'd make a cut and I'd 
maker cut. So it it kind of filters down and it's, you know, very attractive if you're a stay-at-home mum who wants to make some extra bank on the side. I'd even do it myself. Yeah, it's pretty good. What if we multi-level marketed My Millennial Money? I don't know what I'd sell. Ah, financial advice. No. Nah, that's a terrible idea. It's illegal. We'll go back to the drawing board on that. But... I think it's really important to talk about because multi-level marketing, I thought had its heyday a couple of years ago and then people cancelled it, but now it's back. Mm. So for example, Monet is a hair care and beauty brand that's recently come to Australia. I'm going to um, Google that. How do you spell it? it? M-O-N-A-T. Monet. Monat. Monat, the French podcast. To be a global leader in naturally based anti-aging Hair care, skin care, and wellness innovations. Stunning. With an unrivaled business model that enhances the self-employed person, probably. But did you know, Glenn, in Australia, there are close to half a million independent multi-level marketers sellers in Australia selling products that range from health and beauty to craft supplies to homewares to fashion. And I recently watched, and this was American because there aren't Australian documentaries on multi-level marketing companies, but I watched Lula Rich, Mm. which is a documentary about a company called LuLaRoe, which essentially got popular because they sold leggings and they sold leggings and they would do, you know, stalls at friends' houses in a very similar way to the way, I don't know if you remember growing up, but going to Tupperware parties, very similar to Tupperware, but those people needed to purchase the leggings to then on sell to their consumer. And originally when LuLaRoe set up, they said, Glenn, if you purchase these leggings at 15 bucks a pop, you can sell them for 25 a pop. And if you don't sell any, don't worry, we'll buy them back from you. But halfway through, they canned that policy. So people were left with thousands of dollars worth of stock. They didn't have anywhere to sell it. New prints would come out. So the consumer would want the new print, not the old print. And therefore they would be stuck. And these were stay-at-home mums who were just trying to get ahead. And I think that's what really, really upsets me because one of the reasons or the number one reason why people join multi-level marketing companies isn't because people like, oh, I want to be my own boss. It's because they want to make extra money. But there was a US survey that came out recently that said more than a thousand, so it surveyed more than a thousand MLM sellers, found that a majority of them made less than US 70 cents per hour in sales before deducting any expenses. So So, there's actually no money in it. So there's basically no money in it. And to me, it's a red flag if you're signing up to a company and you then need to pay for a sign-up package and you need to pay them to sell their product. Mm. Like it blows my mind. And then of that research, so of that thousand... Fewer than half made more than five hundred US dollars over five years. Gosh. Nearly a third acquired credit card debt to finance their Gosh. MLM involvement. And then a 2020 study by the American Association of Retired Persons found that one in thirteen US adults had tried MLM at some point and most of them had lost money. Mm. So to me, it is just really, really toxic. And I think that we need to be talking about this because often MLMs become become appealing when when there is a big life change. Like you might've lost a job, you might have had a baby and you're at home now. And when you compare the actual and perceived financial literacy of MLM consultants, most of them, according to research, not just Victoria Devine's opinion, but most of them are actually unable to answer questions that assess basic financial literacy. And that breaks my heart because Mm. we know that MLMs are basically preying on vulnerable people 
who become quite optimistic about the opportunity that is put in front of them. Because Glenn, if I'm now a stay at home mom and, you know, my husband's at work all day and I want to do something that contributes to the household, but I don't I don't have the capacity to go back to work full time. If someone swoops in and says, Glenn, you can be your own boss. Like you can just do your own hours. Like you can do it while the baby sleeps. Like it, it seems really attractive, but it's, it's not. And mm. I think the most confusing thing about it is if this was a legitimate company that made legitimate product, Glenn, why is it not in Mecca? Why is it not at Mile? Why is it not at David Jones? Why can't I just go into Coles and purchase this shampoo off the shelf if you're saying it is so good? When it comes to volume sales, they would get millions more, making it more accessible. Mm. Why are they gatekeeping it? Yeah, it's weird. Like, because it, it, like, I'm just Googling now Thermomix, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just I'm on this Reddit. Um, My friend has a Thermomix and I'm low-key impressed by it. Yeah, they're really good, I've heard. <laughs> but this guy was a Thermomix consultant? Pretty much. Um, and this is a, like a, a TLDR, this, this person's I'm ready, like, I'm ready. TLDR, single level marketing, not a pyramid scheme in disguise, but still culty and overpriced. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel that's like- probably the same as Tupperware as well. Like good quality crap but their distribution method is in-home sales. Yes, but I think the key definition between something like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Mm. somebody who knows more about Tupperware than me. Mm. Do you remember Avon? Yes. Like, did your mum used to sell Avon? Uh, All right, so when I was back at school, I remember one of my friend's mums did Avon and Nutramedics, and her job was that she would have the catalogue in the same way that you would have the catalogue for Tupperware. Yes. And people would buy from the catalogue. So you would go along, maybe they paid $10 a month to be an Avon consultant and therefore they'd be like, oh, the new magazine's out. Do you want me to drop it off? You give me your order. I process the order and then the product gets sent directly to you. There is no money going out of my pocket to sell you those items, Glenn, because you went to the magazine and and picked them out and I just processed the order and the money went to the company and I make a cut because I'm a little sales representative. And usually at these parties, like the Tupperware and Thermi parties, there's not a push to recruit others no. to sell because no, I think they just, have regions. And yeah, whatnot. they just yeah. they sell their product. They're there to sell it. Mm. That's their job. But when it comes to the more toxic multi-level marketing companies, they have to purchase their own products because they're told, okay, well, your consumer's going to want it immediately. You need to keep stock of, you know, this shampoo, this conditioner, this body wash. Right. So when they put that order in, you can fulfill it immediately instead of it going through some type of catalogue process where, oh, Glenn, did you like that, you know, sample that I might have, I'd love to order some. No, no, no. You can give it to your consumer immediately. And a good example of that was the LuLaRoe documentary Mm. where people kept literally thousands of dollars, like tens, $15,000 worth of stock in their garage to go to parties so people could purchase it and have that sales transaction immediately. So for me, obviously all multi-level marketing is toxic because I think from my perspective, why are you working so hard to say that you're a business owner, to do all of your own marketing, your own branding, your literal everything, when you could go out and create your own business from scratch and do that? Like if you've got the time, the energy and the drive to be putting that energy into another company, put it into yourself, put it into developing yourself, put it into going back to uni, put it into something that can actually be quite that productive. You can own yeah, that you 100%. can own 100% of because mm. if you're walking away from a LuLaRoe legging company, what have you got next? That's your entire product. Yeah. And doing it yourself will actually help you be a better business owner because you've had to learn the own business hustle and all that. And it's not just given to you with the 
I don't know. I don't know. Like this whole... Uh, to me, mm. it's the lack of financial literacy that comes into this and it feels predatory because I feel like when people sign up to multi-level marketing companies, and I'm sure there are people that are going to be listening to this and they're like, it's fine for me. Yes. But if you're saying that your multi-level marketing company is fine for you, do you know why it is? Because it is at the detriment of all of your downline. Mm. It is at the detriment of the people that you have signed up because you are always going to be in a better position than them because they are always going to be working to be in your position. And I would say if you do want to start your own thing or um, do anything online to really test how good you are at being a business owner, try not to sell to your immediate friends and family because a lot of these businesses – they have a very short life cycle because once Your people sell- can only buy so much product. Yeah, once everyone's bought their inf- diffuser of essential oils or whatever that you know, you run out of people to sell it to. So that's why the focus is on signing people up so yeah, that because, they can sign people up downstream. Yeah, and I think that's just- it, it frustrates me because if you're saying you're being successful at a multi-level marketing company, it's because- you have managed to recruit enough people to maintain your own income, Mm. which is kind of ick in itself. And the fact is that 40% of consultants that work for multi-level marketing companies have never made a dollar, (sighs) have never made a dollar, Glenn. It's wild. And put that into context, not only have they not made any money from it, but they would have shelled out money for their startup packs, for their sign-on fees, for the training, for, you know, their marketing strategy and whatever else they get sold. And it honestly breaks my heart because if you want to start a business and you are so wildly passionate about that, Glenn, there are so many business grants out there, especially right now. Mm. There are $10,000 small business grants coming here, there and everywhere that people can apply for. Like if that is something that you're passionate about, that's fantastic. But I also, you know, this is not me throwing shade. This is just a legitimate fact. You quite literally might be better off going and getting a job at Macca's for four hours a week. Mm. Like that is very likely to put your family in a better position than you starting a multi-level marketing consultant role. Yeah, it's wild. And just Google everyone like a small business support and your local council, because there are a lot of small business, local chambers, um, grant programs, all that stuff. And there are people at the council who help help you apply for the grant. And to set up your own business. It drives me insane. Do you know what? Last point on this makes me feel the most ick about the whole thing, Glenn, is the fact that so many multi-level marketing companies call it an investment and Mm. they push you into going into debt to getting into their multi-level marketing company. Yeah, it's wild. Wild. We won't go on and on because I already have. All right. Well, what's coming up in March? Ah, International Women's Day. IWD. We are going to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth, Glenn, which I am so excited about because, as you know, you run events. Events are expensive. Mm -hmm. And we have managed to scale it to instead of two cities as we did last year, we're now at four. Wow. How cool is that? We're still not breaking even, but you know what? We're having fun. We're doing it. We're, we're doing absolutely it. absolutely doing it. And it's a good platform to sell MLMs from. Yeah. You know what? I would make a lot more money if I was in MLMs. <laughs> I really should have done that. I should have become one of those lifestyle influencers who sells mindset courses. Mm. All I've got is money advice and I could have just done a mindset course. Oh, gosh. So- if you are interested in going to a morning breakfast yeah, event. Yeah, we've got brekkie events, Glenn. Glad you did your research to understand what offering we have. The one last year, I thought it was in the evening. 
Yeah. And then when I found out it was in the morning, I was you like, were a bit oh, salty. gosh. I'm sorry. Mornings. Well, you came and you helped me set up, so it's I really true. do appreciate that. But we do have breakfasts. I feel like they have been the best for the She's on the Money community and everybody else because you can come before work. You don't have to take a day off, but you still can kind of say to your boss, I'm going to an International Women's Day event. And they're very likely to, you know, help you make it happen. But we have some epic keynote speakers. In Perth, we have Michelle Cowan. So she has two passions, one being a mother, but she's also an AFL coach. Oh. She is a big dog. We've got Brooklyn, who is Sooklyn on TikTok and Instagram and a very big fan of My Millennial Money. So she might have popped up a few times in your community. In Brisbane, we're talking to Felicity Furley, who is from Boss Magazine's Young Executive of the Year. And she's also one of Westpac AFR's 100 Women of Influence and obviously has founded several multi-million dollar businesses, obviously. We also have Steph Tisdale, who is one of the brightest stars in Australian comedy. I am obsessed with her. We have in Melbourne, Chloe Hayden, who is an award-winning speaker, actor, author of a best-selling book, content creator, and a powerful disability rights activist and advocate. And Natalie Kiriaku, OAM, fancy, who is an award-winning social entrepreneur, CEO, board advisor, public speaker, writer, and environmental and social impact leader. And then to wrap it all up, Glenn, in Sydney, we've got Teela Reid, who is a proud Wurundjeri woman, lawyer, activist and storyteller, and Melanie Tran, who was named as one of the top 100 women of influence in 2019 by the Australian Financial Review. So we have some pretty fancy people coming to our parties this year, Glenn. Wow. So if you want a nice, fun morning out for International Women's Day, we'll put a link in the show notes. You can grab your tickets. But we can give some away too, Glenn. All right. Well, let's give a capital city away. You want to give one in each or let's give two tickets in each city. Okay. Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth. I feel okay. like two in each is very All right, so kind. they're going to have to work for it. What oh, you need what to do you is share this for? episode on your socials. Oh, yeah. Tag us both and I'll tell JP and our team to pick a winner. From each city. From each city. Make sure you say where you are Yeah, in make sure you say. Well. I'm so sharing this because I want to win tickets heard to Perth, the episode about Ponzi schemes and MLMs. And I want to come hang out with and Victoria. And I want to come to the International Women's Day event. Glenn might be at one of mine if I'm lucky. Oh, we'll see. Sorry, it's a bit of a stretch. We'll see. No, love it. Well, you've been real, everyone. Thanks, VD, for jumping on the show. You didn't say it right. You what? usually say, you've been real and I've been Glenn. Oh, I don't usually say that in live Not on events. the podcast, yeah. just in person. You've okay. been real, I've been Glenn. Good night, Sydney. Yeah, that's exactly how you end live shows. Mm-hmm. Stunning. All right. Thanks, friends, for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.